Hello, welcome back to episode number 84 of the Creative Chit Chat podcast. Um, I'm Ryan McLeod and this week's guest is Jamie Steen. Um, yeah, thanks to everyone who listened last week uh, to the Kirsty Thomas episode. The feedback's been amazing on it. Um, I think people are really glad that the podcast is back, uh, which is really nice. And yeah, so for the next sort of, well, it'll be it's about six weeks or so, I'll have lots more podcast episodes for you um yeah and as i said this week it's jamie steen um so he is a graphic designer who graduated from uh, graphic design at dj cad last year um and went into a job at avian uh, which is a, a design agency based in Broughty ferry and he has had a really wide and varied career up to that point um it actually took him a long time. He originally studied uh, product design and then has done actually quite a few different courses and, and had a lot of different experiences with sort of higher and further education, um, moving towards where he got to. And I think his story is really interesting for a few reasons. Um, I think the, the first one uh, that comes up is that it took him a long time, um, I think probably about five or six years to get from where he was to where he wanted to be and to find the, the sort of groove and where he fitted in within the, the sort of creative sphere um, and for him that was that was graphic design but it, it took a long time to get there um, and it wasn't easy and I think he had some very bad experiences especially in particular workplaces and companies um, that just weren't healthy work environments um, which is very difficult and he talks about that very openly um, it's an important point and an important lesson that um, just because you're not where you want to be right now doesn't mean you you can't get there and that things do take time like things don't happen overnight um, it's just having that that ability to, to, to create change and that desire to create change in what you're doing um, and to have the vision and the end goal and to sort of explore uh, to find where where you fit and how things work for you. Um, and then the second thing is that Jamie graduated from DJ CAD and has now stayed in Dundee, um, which I get, I've probably banged on about it in quite a few episodes now, but it's it's a major problem that we have in the city that we don't retain design talent and the opportunities that are there are, are quite limited compared to other cities. Um so there, we need to do things to change that and Jamie's a great example of a graduate who has stayed and gone to work in the field uh, and I think from his year graphic design I think he's one of about three uh, people from his year group that actually stayed in Dundee in um, full-time design employment um, which is a relatively low number um, and it's something I'd love to see change over time and then get the numbers up um, if you are new to the podcast you can keep up to date with all the episodes all the releases everything that's happening on at ccc dundee on twitter and instagram it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash ccc dundee or just subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use um, but yeah so this is episode number 84 with jamie steen so i'll probably start um my design journey from when i left school um, so I'm really greedy. I have two undergrads um, in the last 10 years. So I've been busy. So when I left school, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. I knew that I liked art and design um, and I'd studied product design 
at school um, and I did well in those subjects and I just kind of thought it would be a natural progression to do a course in product design um, as opposed to maybe doing art, which I'd also did quite well in. Uh, so I went to the Glasgow Metropolitan College, <laughs> which used to be called Building and Printing, and it had just changed its name, <laughs> and now it's something else. <laughs> so it's changed in the last few years. So I studied product design there for two years, I did an HND, um, and a lot of it was model making, and yeah, it was like a real kind of eye-opener, because I was only 16. So it was um, not what school was like at all, it was totally different. Um, but yeah, and then I did two years at Caledonian um, on an international product design course. It doesn't exist anymore, probably because it was run really badly. <laughs> um, but it was good. I can I can um, I can say that much bad stuff about it. I got to do a cool exchange in my third year, which was pretty awesome. Ten years ago, um, and I went to the Czech Republic, um, where. And nobody spoke English. We were told, everyone speak English, your classes will be in English. They were not. Um, and it was like an engineering course. So it was very different from the course we were doing at Cali, which was more kind of, I guess, a kind of combination of arts and engineering. It was a bit of a, a strange course, really. Um, so we got thrown in there. Um, and that was really interesting. So I was there for seven months and um, got to travel. Um, and it was, it was good. It was quite, yeah, I don't... At the time, I didn't really know what I learned, but actually looking back, it was quite good um, and definitely developed like communication skills uh, <laughs> to communicate um, like what your, I, I guess, like design ideas to people who do not speak any English or very little. So yeah, that was interesting. Um, and then in my fourth year there, because it was international, we got to exhibit um, our furniture piece in Milan. Um, um, we got trapped by a volcano there, which was pretty interesting as well. So it was very memorable. It was that year the angry Icelandic volcano trapped us there. We had to get a bus from Milan to Glasgow, so that was interesting. And then I graduated, and then I had no idea what I was going to do with a product design degree. Um, so you didn't want to be a product designer at that point? I thought I'd, well, I thought I did, but when I was going for jobs, it was really tricky because if you came from Strathclyde, um, you were a product design engineer. So you could like go off to work in like oil and gas. You could go and work for like, you know, Jaguar Land Rover, all these kind of things. Um, if you went, my, one of my friends did product design at the art school in Glasgow and she became a service designer because they were very much, the course was very much focused on like service design, all that kind of stuff. Um, so our course was just kind of in the middle. It was like, making a little bit of engineering, a little bit of business, um, a little bit of kind of artsy model making and that kind of stuff. <laughs> but it didn't didn't really have any like kind of major skills, if that makes sense. She had a little bit of everything. Um, so it was really difficult. Um, and at that time, it was kind of like the recession, I guess. So it was like loads of people were going for jobs um, and it was just really tough because you were up against these courses that were kind of, I guess it's a bit of nepotism. So they'd only maybe employ people from Strathclyde or people from Glasgow School of Art. And then there was people like from our course who it was kind of an unknown commodity and our portfolios were a bit mad. Um, <laughs> so 
Yeah, I did. I did. I, I, I was interested in being a product designer or a furniture designer as it was at the time. Um, but it, it was tricky. It was tricky to find something. Um, so, yeah, it was like just kind of get a job doing anything. <laughs> so I ended up working three, two or three jobs in retail <laughs> um, and just applying to things and... Um, I went down to the London Design Festival um, and managed to get some freelance work. Um, but then it was a nightmare. They never paid me because I had no idea what I was doing. I had like that time I was like 21. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, asking for like payment and how much should I charge? All this kind of stuff. I had no idea. Um, so it was really tough. Um, and then I got an opportunity randomly through someone I knew uh, to go to Spain <laughs> to do a placement there. <laughs> so this is like six months after I graduated from my first undergrad. And I was like, yeah, just just do it. Um, I'd saved up some money anyway from my 50 jobs and <laughs> um, just went for it. Um, so that was interesting. That was, um, it was like a furniture design company in Valencia. Um, and basically I got my accommodation and my food and everything um, and in return for like experience and you know whatever else uh, and it was it was great yeah it was really cool Valencia is a really cool place I would recommend it uh, it's a bit kind of a lower pace than Barcelona um, and yeah it was again a total whirlwind um, of like learning how to design furniture commercially um, which was really different from what I did at uni, um, it was all very computer modeling based, um, thinking about how it would be manufactured and um, working with like their China office and all this kind of stuff. So it was really interesting. Um, but again, uh, by the end of it, I they didn't have a position for me because of the kind of state of the economy in Spain. Um, and I generally, I think at that time, the kind of creative industries was in a downturn um, anyway. So I think it was tricky. Um, so after that, I came back to Scotland and <laughs> I ended up working in retail again. <laughs> Did some wee freelance bits on the side. And that was when I started looking more at um, graphic design. Um, because one of the things that I really enjoyed about the product design process, <laughs> which maybe was a major sign that, I was maybe more suited to graphic design was kind of producing the like my presentation boards my presentations were always really graphical um and I guess some of the products that I designed were quite graphic as well so I did some like little jobs for people in that time um and it was more the more graphic design it was like logo design all that kind of stuff um and I just had a kind of natural knack for it um so I began to think oh maybe that's more my kind of thing but then it's difficult because you don't have um, maybe a graphic design portfolio or you've not had that training. So it was a bit tough. So, that, I mean, that's a long, it feels like that's, what was the, the, the time period between oh, you graduating and then you deciding, actually, maybe I want to, to Well, again? <laughs> so it was quite a long time. So that kind of time period was, so I graduated in 2010. I went to Spain for seven months in 2011. And then I came back at the end of 2011. Um, and then, yeah, I did a, wee, a few wee jobs. 
Um, so I began, like the seeds began to plant in my head. I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I'm more interested in graphic design. So it's like, I mean, it's the best part of a couple of years, and and you're pretty much trying to find out where you fit. How I guess this longer. Works and... <laughs> <laughs> there's, 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 there's even there's then there's another uh, period of time. But well. I mean, that's like that's a long time to actually stick at it and to to try and yeah. I guess like sort of muddle your way through and work out who am I what do I want to do yeah, where do yeah. I fit what's what is my profession and yeah. I, especially after committing such a long time in education and mm. coming out and then there not being a, a sort of set clear yeah. direction to go in if you like yeah yeah I suppose it is um and it does get longer <laughs> okay continue so um so after that I so I that seed was kind of in my head I was like maybe I would be more kind of suited to that and then I applied for a job um for a, a clothing company apparel company in Glasgow um and which is again another random tangent um and they were looking for, it was like, a, initially it was like a design assistant. So it was like clothing. Uh, I knew someone that worked there and I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to go for it. Um, at the end of the day, at least it's got, you know, it's something kind of solid on my CV. Maybe it's not exactly product design, but what I'm beginning to think, what is product design? It's so many things. Um, so I thought I'll go for it. Um, and I did. And... Yeah, so I was a uh, design assistant to begin with. So I was like doing all the kind of pretty awful tasks and, and tasks that now looking back, I wouldn't ever, you know, recommend someone would do. So, so tasks like <laughs> making tea, okay, um, getting like just just really like kind of menial things. So you're not really kind of like I feel like you're not really learning the kind of you're not getting a chance to learn what you know what I mean, your kind of specialism mm -hmm. or the kind of skills you actually have. So it was, it was kind of like one of those, yeah, it wasn't the best time, but that's the way it goes so, <laughs> in some companies. And I think especially eight or nine years ago, that was the kind of thing is you'd maybe become a junior and you'd, you would be expected to do all these things. Whereas maybe now it's more about your, you know, you're doing the job you know, they're trusted to do the job um, as a designer or whatever that may be and get involved. Whereas I think maybe back then it was more like you had to work your way up, which is important. But I think that, you know, if you've got the skills, you need to nurture someone and bring them into the team. Yeah, I think it's the way that you treat people, I suppose, as well. Yeah. And it's like, OK, there, there may be things to do and OK you might be asked to make the tea. That, yes, that's okay. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that's a... Not on mass though. No, like that's not your <laughs> your sole responsibility as a design assistant to provide caffeine. It's like, um, but it, it's the way that you, yeah, the way that you treat people and bring them in and give yeah. them the opportunity to learn. And I think that's yeah. really important. And I don't, I, I mean, I've got a lot of issues around how even like internships and mm, things like that operate <laughs> where, I mean, I've seen it happen. I've worked in studios where you, you get the work experience mm -hmm. uh, uh, kids that come in or you get um, students coming in doing internships and they get put in the corner with some tutorials and yeah. it's, it's not a productive use of anyone's time yeah. really and it's not it's not going to foster that next generation of great creatives and it's yeah. it's not totally. of any benefit to the company that the person's in there so yeah. it's like well how do you how do you create a better model where actually 
there's a benefit for both parties. Yeah, there. definitely. So, um, but yeah, sorry. On you. So so yeah, so I started out kind of I guess at the bottom of this company, um, and then I did quite quickly because it was quite. A, um, I'm trying to think of a polite word. It was quite a volatile um, and um, fast paced. Uh, things change quickly there, <laughs> as was the na- as the nature of like fast fashion and all this kind of stuff, which is what they provided is what that's what they imported and designed and made um, so things did reflected that within the, the office so I progressed quite quickly and um, which was was positive and I became a, instead of becoming a designer I ended up becoming being promoted to an accessories developer so it was more a kind of jack of all trades so accessories encompassed like backpacks belts handbags, hats, low, like a plethora of things. Um, and because I had that product background, um, they saw that as like, oh, that's a product. Like, it's not a piece of clothing. So that's why I kind of got shunted onto that. Um, so yeah, it was interesting. Um, I got to do lots of cool things. Um, I, did, I got to go to like, um, well, one of my tasks, sorry, going back to the job. So one of my tasks was um, sourcing. So it was dealing with the supply chain and all that kind of stuff in China. And I actually found that, re- I found that really interesting. That was probably, the, bizarrely, the, my favourite part of the job because it was like learning about like cultural differences and you know, time zones and um, in China they don't really celebrate Christmas. So all this kind of stuff, Chinese New Year, how that's celebrated and... I found it really interesting um, and built up like really nice relationships with the suppliers in China and I, I enjoyed that part of my job and I got the opportunity to go out and visit them so that was really cool um, and experience China as well because it's, it's so like it's so different from here because it's just it's so busy um, so that was that was cool but ultimately um, the job was mental and it was a very toxic environment um, which I think is being publicised more and people are speaking out about these environments uh, more and more, which can only be a good thing because it really had a detrimental effect on my mental health. Um, I didn't really realise at the time, but it really did. Um wasn't getting paid great, wasn't getting treated very well at all. Um, and it was just, it was really hard. And my job wasn't that creative. Although I was working with the designers, I was like briefing the designers or, you know, helping them like like kind of doing presentations and saying, oh, this is what the suppliers are doing. This is the kind of thing you're looking for. So I did work with designers, but I was more like a kind of making things happen and facilitating um, and making sure that what the designers wanted and the buyers wanted and all these people wanted was kind of happening. So um, it was interesting, but ultimately I did not feel fulfilled. Um, And it was toxic, as I said. So it was just, it wasn't great. So I was like, right, I'm going to, I saved up some money. I was like... I'm going to go, I need, I need a, I need like a mental break from like, I don't want to work in this industry. I've been in like basically three years and I'm like, if I'm going to look for another job, I probably wouldn't be able to get a design job. <laughs> it would probably be something in this and I don't really like this industry. So I decided I'm going to go back to college and uni and I'm going to study graphic design because that's what I'm interested in. And I've been doing little bits of freelance work when I had free time and, um, you know, um, and it was just what interested me and yeah so I applied to Glasgow Clyde College the course there 
and um, bizarrely someone else I worked with at the time, they also applied to do it. So we both left at the same time and went to do graphic design at Glasgow Clyde College very randomly. I originally thought I'll just do an HND and kind of leave it at that. Um, and I did the two years at Glasgow Clyde and just loved it. Like I just, I'd felt like I'd kind of found my, what I was interested in. Because um, at this point, we're now, so probably like five years out from the first yeah. degree. Yes. Yeah. Roughly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a long time, it's a day. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, but then it's taken that, that length of time to find yeah. that actual, the, the, the spark of what, yeah. what you really wanted to do. Um, yeah. So, yeah, did it. And then I was like, right, I'm just going to do an HND. And then I was kind of like, oh, I quite, I'm quite interested maybe taking it further um, and kind of like the doors and maybe the kind of jobs that that would open up to. Because I felt as if I could probably get a job now, but would it, oh, I'm not sure if it would be as satisfying because there's such a craft behind graphic design and typography in particular. And I was like, I really want to learn more about that. Um, so I applied here because my partner, um, Fraser, lives up in, lived up in Perth at the time. So I was kind of like, well, I could come to Dundee as an awesome like art school. Um, and we don't need to do long distance. So it kind of ticked all those boxes. Um, and yeah, I managed to get into third year at DGCAD. So I was only there for two years. Um, but it was, yeah, it was awesome. DGCAD's amazing. I made the totally the right decision. Um, so did two years there and then graduated again last year um, and then got a job for Avian and Brody Ferry. Um, so before we go into that, um, <laughs> I want to go back because obviously you've had experience of like a lot of educational <laughs> institutions. Um, I know. <laughs> and obviously um, like in a lot, of, a lot of different levels of courses, you're probably someone like probably the first person in the podcast that's had such a varied experience. <laughs> so it seems silly not to sort of dive into mm -hmm. that. So it's like, what, what were the parts of that, that journey between everything? Like what were the parts that were really important that you took out from all those different sort of teaching experiences mm -hmm. and the, all the different elements and what do you think have been the really important bits that have stuck with you throughout? I think, um, I was speaking about this the other day, like I, I, I think my first, so my first kind of block of education, higher education, further education, whatever it's called, um, when I was doing product design, um, because I was quite young, I probably, looking back, I didn't really manage my time very well. Um, and if I'm honest, like a lot of the time, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, like, looking back, I was like, what, what was I thinking? Um, so I, I think that what I, took, what I took out certainly from that was like time management and kind of, you know, organising myself, like organising um life I guess um I used to think that when I started that course I used to think oh does that greatness just kind of happens or like if you if you work if you keep doing stuff some something great that doesn't happen you need to you do need to plan there's a level of like well it's a massive amount of organization that goes into like a design project so I'd say that was something I took away from my first um education experience and the second thing probably in hindsight was perhaps doing a bit more research um I decided to go to Caledonian um 
and Caledonia is a good institution. But for what I was doing, it wasn't really what... It didn't have the name for basically for employment purposes. So I think it's good to do research into, you know, where do you go after? What are the employment prospects from this course? I didn't really ask these questions because I was young and I didn't really think about these things. Um, and that's something in contrast to like Dundee and DG CAD, that was something they were really upfront about. Whereas when I well, didn't really research my first course, it was just very much like, oh, it's product design. Oh, I like that. I'll just do it. And there wasn't much kind of input from maybe the, the university, but that's also because I didn't know to ask because I was so young. Um, and I guess as well, also being the first person from a family to go into higher education, they didn't know to ask these questions either. Um, so that is also quite, I think that's also something that's um, important to highlight is like, if you come from a background where maybe no one's went to uni, maybe they're not from a creative background, you're doing a creative course, it's a totally different kettle of fish to maybe studying something that's got quite a, like a clear way to, like maybe there's like a, you know, what's the word, like a graduate programme after, you know, for some for some industries, that's, there's quite a clear route to employment. Not always, I'm generalising, but. Yeah, no, but absolutely. Like the, your more traditional courses, whether you're mm -hmm. like um, medicine or, or like dentistry or engineering yeah. and all that sort of stuff. There are specific pathways, there are expected directions, yeah. there are also sort of like expected salaries and things like that. Exactly, that will yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely be easier to understand and comprehend and, and your parents and teachers yeah. at school will have more first-hand knowledge of, of those industries yeah, and yeah. those pathways, yeah. whereas like the the creative pathways are like can be a total minefield <laughs> yeah. and they're always changing and fluxing yeah, and like absolutely. it's very hard to to keep on top of all that um yeah. even being in the industry let alone um, yeah, yeah yeah trying to advise a, yeah. a young person on, on what they should what they should do so i think yeah there's a there is a, a big gap there of like information and decision making mm -hmm. and also it's like it's a really young stage in your life to actually make a big yeah absolutely uh, decision but then i think when you've shown that you can always pivot and change and find yeah. something and look for that spark if you're not doing what you want to do and you don't yeah. have to stay within absolutely an industry not. absolutely not you can yeah. use those skills that you've gained to to move on to something yeah. else absolutely yeah like i mean obviously i I'd mentioned that the place that i worked was it became toxic and it wasn't a very enjoyable experience but you know you can you it might be difficult and yeah you've got responsibilities and but you can change what you do you can retrain we're very lucky in Scotland that our courses are subsidized in cost so although I had to pay for my tuition fees um you know it it's still much less of a cost than if you live in England, for example, or maybe in another country. So we are very blessed. And if you think education is the route, you know, you can look into it and there's there's ways and to do it again if you want to. Um so yeah, I would say if you want the kind of job or to go into the industry that you really want to, you do need to make sacrifices, I think. I think um you need to think, oh, if I really want to make a drastic change, maybe it is about you know doing a course or something um because you, yeah it's sometimes difficult to apply for things that are out with what you're doing just now sometimes because 
but not always. It's not impossible. But then how do you feel out if that course is going to be right for you? So because I, because I went back, um, because I went back to uni later, I did do like a lot of research um, into courses. So initially in Glasgow, because I wanted to go back to college first. So when you say when you say research, mm-hmm. what I mean, what do, what do you mean? I picked up the phone and <laughs> wanted to speak to like the the course leader, um, and you know like arrange a meeting and applied through the obviously the normal chal- channels um, and had like a review of like my portfolio and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, just kind of asking questions like. But for me, like I would never have thought to pick up the phone and phone the, <laughs> the course director. That would just yeah. never. Well, to be, I don't think I ended up speaking to her. I think it was more I, I got her email address and emailed her. So, uh, but you know that was that was my initial thought, and that came from having that kind of industry experience from, you know, my job that I had. I'd learned that, you know. Sometimes it is just about picking up the phone or emailing someone and just asking directly, you know, what what are what's this course about? Like I've read the blurb. Um but just reaching out and I think that shows a lot of kind of um tenacity and confidence um to do that, which I think's always good. If it's uh, yeah, like if you do if you go about it the right way. <laughs> or the kind of yeah kind of more humble way um and just just ask just ask like yeah like that's so important for anything and so i mean just to before we move on to the next part okay. um just to, a little bit on the still on the education side of things mm-hmm. um so is there any particular um like teaching style or approach that you found that, that sort of resonated best with you i think um oh what What's it kind of called? Oh, one of one of my lecturers at DG Cad really summed it up well last year. Oh, forgotten it, but it's basically kind of like the oh, like a guide on the side. Okay. Um. So kind of facilitating, especially in a creative practice, um, facilitating creativity. So you're there on the side to give your kind of input and you're kind of got an open door policy to be able to ask things um, because I think that that allows you to make mistakes or try things without being scared so that's the great thing about the art school is you've got space to experiment and to try different things they might not work but at least you've been able to do that before you get to the final solution um, and that's pretty much that's kind of what the graphic design course was like the door was open. You could go and speak to lecturers um, when you needed to, and they were so helpful. And they've got that wealth of um, experience. Um, so no, I, I would say that, that was better as opposed to some of the. And this might be a college thing, um, and no disrespect to the colleges because they were amazing. Um, but it was more. It was very regimented um, in the way that work was submitted and it was very much do 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 um which is fine but I don't think it's reflective of kind of working in industry and design it's very much it can be for like you know I mean there's not a tick box all the time Mm. (laughs) or ever so yeah I would say that that the kind of the style that was at DJ CAD was probably probably suited me better um 
because I've done a tiny bit of, of teaching um, and what I found really difficult was to, to strike that balance between teaching technical like software skills mm -hmm, if you like mm -hmm. or technical um, like things about typography and, and like rules and like um, a bit of sort mm -hmm. of yeah I mean the, the rules and systems that are around typography that's what we're sort of trying to teach but it's without doing too much like how much theory and, and sort of base skills and software do you teach versus yeah. that creative freedom and imagination and yeah. developing ideas and all that sort of stuff and finding that that yeah. balance and having spoken to students as well I think they sometimes become frustrated that they don't maybe get the, yeah. the technical expertise taught to them but because the focus is more on this exploration and openness mm -hmm. um, but yeah so how did you find that that sort of balance? Well, yeah that's kind of interesting I do I do think that is an area that can be improved, but I think, as you're saying, there are two separate jobs. I think that, I think that there is this kind of open, for your, I guess, for your projects, for your briefs that you're working on. But I do agree. I think there needs to be, yeah, a little bit more of that up there. And uh, DJ Cad, I, I agree. Um, I'm giving like a critique of it, but yes, like I agree. But I do think they're separate jobs. I think mm -hmm. that your lecture that is. Um, hosting or listening to tutorials and you're speaking about your project that's a separate job to maybe I guess like doing a kind of workshop on like I don't know like After Effects or something because um, you're learning in a different way um, and then it's about taking that and applying it to that other side where you're working on your projects and yeah I think there yeah there definitely is a need for maybe more of that up there I would I would say um like for example, maybe some coding, all that kind of stuff, um, which isn't isn't there, but is important um, in the job market. Whereas, yeah, maybe a college is more like the lecturer does everything, and they kind of yeah, I suppose they do the technical side and the kind of creative side as well. So. And I mean, there there is only so much you can teach in the time mm -hmm. that there is within however many weeks it is within the year 30 weeks or whatever yeah. it is I can't exactly remember but um, so yeah it's impossible and there's this sort of push pull between what what industry expects like yeah. um, graduates to come out with the skills yes, that they yeah. want and that uh -huh. they're looking for and the the type of students that a university produces mm -hmm. um, yeah and yeah. I think what's great about DigiCAD is it's, it's focused on the, the ideas yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yep, yep, yep. um, and and really allowing that creative freedom, but then that doesn't always balance up with what mm -hmm. what industry is looking yeah. for. So, and I think it's this like, do you just allow? Because education is an amazing opportunity to play mm -hmm. and to explore and to develop that way without mm -hmm. having to adhere to very specific been, client yeah. briefs yep, and needs yep, yep, yep. and. But it has to teach some of those things. So again, it's that balancing act of, yeah. of finding the right middle ground between between everything. I so. think I think I guess an like important thing. It's a good skill to have if you kind of get into the habit of maybe find not finding it for yourself, but like trying to find it yourself, or like reaching out to someone that might be an expert, or going to maybe find like looking on the the staff list. <laughs> and saying oh that's what they've did blah, blah blah or they're like i want to find out more and reaching out to them um i think that's a really good skill to have because that's definitely something that you need to do in a job is like re you know speaking to people dealing with people um that aren't within you know your company or you know suppliers all that kind of stuff so it's i think that's another 
maybe a good way to look at it. If you if there's something you want to learn, um, and maybe it's not available within the the course, maybe find someone within the the uni that is can help you, and that's something that I kind of did. Um, and it's amazing how many experienced people doing amazing things like professors and stuff um, at Dundee Uni there are there's it's pretty incredible so yeah it's just kind of like do it now where you kind of can you've got freedom to do that um, and you're a student so they probably will make more time for you <laughs> or they should <laughs> um, so yeah I would say yeah try and what's that like that kind of autonomy within the the university um but yeah that comes with confidence and again I think certainly with being a bit older I was able to do that but um I understand maybe Jamie <laughs> at 21 would have struggled with that a bit um but it's an important skill to have and once you've did it it's you know that's a contact and you're you know it's fine you know it's just doing that initial bit mm-hmm. and so yeah as you said like after graduation you mm-hmm. you got a job um yes. so what what kept you here? What kept you in Dundee? So, um, I really like, like Dundee's, I think it's really beautiful, um, being beside the river. Um, I didn't really know that much about Dundee when I came up. Um, I'd been here like years ago, (laughs) um, for like, uh, I did an interview once for a DJ CAD uh, years ago for product design, but I ultimately decided um, I didn't want to move at that point. Um, but yeah, I remember like the Olympia being at the front and it looked completely different. It was a big roundabout. It was completely different. Um, so that was kind of my memories, the discovery. So I didn't really know that much about Dundee. Um, but now I just really love the the people. I think people are really friendly, certainly coming from Glasgow. I loved Glasgow because it felt like home. People were really friendly. They chatted to you. Um, you never felt like... I don't know, never felt like a scary place. Um, and I got I kind of got the same feeling in Dundee. P- people were really friendly. Yeah, you know, I just kind of clicked. And I think with the art school, being in that bubble of the art school, you realise that it's, you know, it's produced a lot of amazing artists and designers. Um, so you're like, oh, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing for this kind of quite quite a small city. Um, so, yeah, no, I just, just really liked it. Just, yeah. And I thought, why not? <laughs> why not it's something it's some somewhere different it's not edinburgh it's not the central belt it's like it's something different and there's also so much exciting things going on here like obviously the vna which is you know very cliched but i'm sure lots of people you know that i mean goodness how many times has that been said but you know there is there is a lot going on and um you know like you know dc thompson and Urwilly and that kind of heritage there and yeah it's it's just a cool place um so the what was the job that you went into then after graduating? So I work for an agency in Broughty Ferry called Avian, um, which has got a sister company called Blue Two. Um, so we're in a church in Broughty Ferry. Um, so I was employed as a designer there. Um, so Avian do, it's kind of a lot of marketing, brand positioning, um, and also lots of traditional stuff as well, like um, you know, like brochures, booklets and kind of leaflets. Um, but yeah, they've got, they're very established. Um, so they've got like a lot of interesting clients, <laughs> a wide range of clients. Um, so yeah, 
that's where I work in the church. And so what, like day to day, what sort of stuff are you working on? Um, so probably a lot of my job um, is looking at branding and positioning and coming up with like taglines and um, kind of using language and that, that kind of stuff, like brand language. Um, so yeah, a lot of my job is like the kind of more branding side of it, which is something that I I kind of naturally gravitate towards. Um, and also looking at, you know, like layouts and um, that kind of typographic side of it as well, working with type and maybe producing like kind of like style templates and things like that. So yeah, but it really varies. It can be packaging as well, um, which I really like because it kind of uses my product knowledge where I can see, so like I can work out a net of a box, um, and that I kind of like doing that work because it is marrying two of my skills, I guess. So it's quite nice. So have you got like a, a set design process when when a sort of brief lands on your desk? How does how would you go through the sort of end to end process? Um, I guess I guess I do. I I think at the start, I think often at the start before um before the client sees something, it is it, I guess it's kind of not set, but it's like it's not being <laughs> influenced by that in a sense. You've got the brief or you've got you've had the, the notes um because it's not always a, a set brief like you would get at uni, but like um and yeah, so you would research. My research is pretty. I mean, I've I've kind of written that down here. I wish that, you know, my research was more interesting, but I do just go on the internet a lot of the time um, <laughs> to have a look on, you know, like creative review and see what's going on and just kind of, um, you know, looking at Pinterest, Behance, where appropriate, um, and just kind of gathering what's appropriate for, like, visually um, for the brief. Um, and just kind of seeing market research as well. So research is what would be my first protocol. And is that like, do you formulate that into like a document or something yeah. like that? Or... So yeah, we would do, um, I would probably do like, you know, like some mid boards. I'd pull some stuff that I thought was relevant. Um, and then I would also do market research. So we'd like do research into the company or whatever it is I'm designing for. And just pull like maybe bits of language from their website or whatever. Sometimes there's none um, that could be useful and could influence something. Um, like maybe core values, things like that. Um, and then I would start to look at market research. So I'd start to maybe look at what other companies there are. Because often we're working with companies that, you know, I wouldn't have any awareness of. Or like the, the market is not anything I would be involved in because it's like maybe heavy industrial stuff or stuff like that so you need to do that research you need to understand um the market um so i would do that and then yeah within that that kind of all merges in at once i think so you're probably doing all three things so you're doing research in the company market research and visual research probably all at once because one thing leads to another and my my browser has probably got like 50,000 tabs open um, and that's the way that I work. Um, yeah, it's a bit like like a magpie, <laughs> just finding things that are relevant. And that that's other thing as well, is like you don't want to limit yourself too much at that stage, but also you do a little bit. You have to be like, well, I, I need to kind of, so how do you that know, really be relevant? When do you know when to stop that process? Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
that's usually <laughs> yeah you would just need to i think when you oh, it really depends um i think it kind of does naturally kind of move on it isn't that regimented so maybe once i've did i've gathered enough kind of mood boards i guess i think once i've and then i'll start doing my own stuff naturally i'll start be like okay i've seen enough and i'll just start like drawing things or putting stuff into illustrator or whatever it may be and then it progresses from there but it's kind of natural and it depends on the timelines if there is like a depends on the timelines and budget as well which sounds really like <laughs> but for me that's kind of um i guess i work quite well to a kind of deadline um so that yeah it kind of depends on what the kind of parameters are as well um but yeah and then it kind of just flows on from there so i guess it is kind of rich there's that research kind of initial ideas stage and then you would review your kind of initial ideas from that and then yeah it just kind of gets distilled down um yeah so, into so when you actually start coming up with say, mm-hmm, visual mm-hmm. concepts yep, after yep, that mm-hmm. is that on paper is that digitally how does that part of the process um, both again it depends on really depends on the kind of I guess the kind of visuals you're looking at if you're thinking of doing something that's more sometimes it's just more kind of like illustrative I guess I would probably start on paper um, and then move on to screen but yeah sometimes it could just if it's going to be like you know if it's maybe more typographic based yeah I'd probably start on screen more um, because you can work with the fonts, you can work with the typefaces, and you can kind of, you know, take it from there. Um, so it's a bit of both, really. And then sometimes, yeah, there's sometimes you're maybe you're trying to do something. I would say, if you're if you can't get something to work on screen, try and draw it because that's the maybe the way you should be doing it anyway. But um, sometimes you can't. You need to do the drawing by hand first to then understand how you can actually translate that into something digital because. Yeah, your hands are more flexible <laughs> than, than a mouse. Um, so yeah, it's really interchangeable for me, I think. Um, it just depends. And it can vary as well from concept to concept. There might be one that's more illustrative that I've kind of like hand-drawn or handwritten um, to something that's maybe more clear-cut um, and digital. But yeah. And do you think, do you think you have a specific style? Um, so... <laughs> I think I'm a bit like a bit of a what's the word? I feel like sometimes I've got like a I've got like a split personality with design. Okay. Because <laughs> I've got the design that I like. Like I love like Anthony Burrell and everything. Like really bold type, bold colours. Um that makes me it just makes me happy. Um and simplicity as well. Um things with movement and oh like yeah, like some, of, I guess, kind of like some of the prints I did for 12 by 12. Um, so, yeah, I kind of like bold colours, bold type, big type, um, puns, that kind of stuff. Quite lighthearted. But then on the, the flip side, I feel like commercial work I've did is so varied. Like, I feel as if I don't have a style. Okay. Maybe I do, and maybe I don't know it, but like, I. I do feel like I don't I try and answer the brief um without putting too much of my spin on it um and trying to understand what the client is 
what's not what's going to make them happy but like what's going to work best for their market and what's going to work best for their company and organization and then, at the end of the day you want them to be happy yeah, as well right yeah so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. It's, a, it's a consideration yeah. but maybe not the main one but yeah. yeah so I, I think that yeah they're just making something that's kind of i guess pragmatic and right and like um so but yeah sometimes it is good to bring, i guess but i do bring my own influence and i would probably say that i'd i'd do more of a logo uh, a word marked as opposed to a kind of emblem for example um in my if i was designing uh, a logo logo for example yeah because i mean i was thinking about this the, the other day and i think every every designer must have an inherent style I, yeah I, I think because you you learn ways to solve problems and i caught myself doing it the other day i was trying to lay something out and i was okay. like uh, maybe I'll try fixing it this way and maybe I'll try fixing that problem this way and I'm like these are the the go-to things that if I have the problem where I need to like move the viewer's eye across the page or like I have to create a button or uh-huh. I have to do a list then I've got these go-to solutions that mm-hmm. just I've sort of over the years I've developed and maybe I don't maybe my style comes from the, the those prerequisites those things that I do all the mm-hmm. time yeah, but maybe I should push myself beyond those and try mm-hmm. not to use them anymore. Okay, okay, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, I'm gonna be thinking about this all the time now. Like, yeah, I get, I guess maybe I do. Like, I do. I, I, I look at lots of typefaces. I guess that's something that I do. Like, I'll put the, I'll put the word or the name into like a million typefaces. This is the other thing I do. Sometimes I confuse myself. Well, not confuse myself. I over magpie. Um, that sounds wrong um, and I, I get maybe get too much stuff um, and it's like oh my god I won't, like all these could all possibly work <laughs> but it's like what makes it work um, so yeah so like again I've had similar conversations around that with other designers mm-hmm. uh, at what, what point in the process do you stop seeking inspiration and just drill down to your own solution um, I really really depends it depends on how it's going it depends on it does it just it depends on how it's going i think if it's if it's all fitting to get sometimes you just do something it just not very often but like (laughs) sometimes you do something it just kind of fits together and it like just works and it's like right that's right that looks right and it feels right um and that's it that's probably it um and then because there is that like um, in that's intangible is probably not a word, but it's like that yeah, that yeah. sort of feeling that you get when you look at something. And you go, yeah, yeah, and you just know, or like you, you or it's very close. You step away from your desk and you come yeah. back and you go, actually, yeah, that's it. Yeah, or I just need to move that little thing and sit that, and then that's it. Yeah, and I can't really explain what that is or why it's it or, or like yeah th- i mean there's probably yeah. like a whole bunch of rules that, that make it feel nice on the eye and like all that yeah, sort of stuff yeah, but yeah. i feel like there's a an inbuilt thing that you develop as mm. a creative yeah definitely definitely because i think as well it's like as well when you're when you're a student you think it's when you're learning about the grid and everything and you think oh the grid oh the grid uh, but you then start to realize that you know there's Yes, the grid's important, but actually you begin to realise that some things obviously work out with the grid and, you know, you can kind of, you just develop that eye, as you're saying, you d- it just kind of looks right and it fits with the space that's being given um, as opposed to, oh, it must align with this or, you know, sometimes it doesn't. Um, sometimes it just is right for no 
reason. <laughs> so yeah, I, and I, I think generally, I always seek a bit of inspiration um, when you're like, especially kind of maybe doing brand extension and like kind of thinking, oh, how will this work? How will this work on all these other things that they need it to work on? Um, and that's really important as well, the kind of practicalities of it. How is it going to translate on all these things? And then you're like, oh, that beautiful idea that I had maybe isn't going to be that practical. And then it's like, oh, so it is, it's, it's, it's a tough balance. It's a balancing act. That's it. That's the word. It's like, it does it kind of just balance and work. Because, um, I mean, that's another, another battle in, I kind of want to come on and talk a bit about feedback and what's that yes, like uh-huh. and how you deal with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there's, you sort of touched on it there, this concept of the, the ideas that you have at the initial stage, but sometimes you just have to let them die yeah it's hard it's yeah it is difficult because you're like oh it could work but it's not actually gonna work is it (laughs) or oh like that that's a beautiful like designer if i was designing for another designer or like it's it's getting out that but i'm actually designing for a packaging company so they're probably not gonna get it or like you know it's maybe a step too far for them and so it's like yeah it's it's hard to let that die um <laughs> uh, and then it could be over egged as well but like feedback yeah it's it's that's a tough one um especially if it's like negative or well yeah or and i mean not, well. feedback is so i've got this thing about feedback that it is <laughs> it's set up it's inherent oh, yeah. inherent that it's negative right and this is built on my experience, like, I mean, I suppose be just being a designer in general, but <laughs> in particular, when I worked in agency, there'd be this pattern of you'd go on a call or you'd get an email or whatever, yeah, and yeah. you'd have 80, 90% of that would be feedback. And what you're asking for there is people to be honest and, and let them know, let them give their opinion on what you've created. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the vast majority of that is going to be going against mm-hmm. what you've created. Um, and there will be some positives within that but the vast majority of that is going to be negative and I think that's yeah. just inherent in the way that feedback works because it, it's not really realistic to, to get 100% no. like feel great feedback um, but you're thinking it, what's wrong why are they being so nice yeah, <laughs> it, but it was the it was the long list of little tiny things that needed tweaked or changed mm-hmm. or copywriting like just copy issues or, or whatever like that and then the kicker was it's looking really good though <laughs> and it was just that little like thing oh i better make sure better, the designer's yeah, yeah. okay and not like <laughs> suicidal i'll just <laughs> drop that in at the end and everything will be fine oh, i feel great <laughs> um yeah but so how yeah how do you deal with with client feedback it can be tough um i think when i think when you get very vague feedback it's frustrating um or especially if you design something that you think is great or it's just so right and um, they're maybe not loving it or not digging it. It's quite, that's difficult because, yeah, as a designer or creative, you invest a lot of yourself or you, you should, I think, naturally invest a lot of yourself into your work because it's a projection of you a lot of the time. Um, so I think that feedback is tough. Like, it's hard and it's, you know, it's hard to hear. Even bizarrely, like sometimes, you know, positive feedback is hard to hear because you're like, oh. um, well, for me, sometimes I feel a bit like that. But like, it, it is hard. And I think, as you say, it's with experience. Um, 
So although my job, going back to my job in the kind of fashion industry, although that wasn't, I wasn't producing designs um, per se, but, you know, I did get a lot of feedback um, and, you know, a lot of it was, it was tough because it was that kind of environment. So I feel like over time, I did develop quite a thick skin on what people kind of said about, I guess, my work, I, you know, the results of my work, I guess, because it wasn't a tangible like design. Um, so I think over time and from having that kind of harsh experience, um, it did thicken my skin. I wouldn't want people to go through that, but I think over time it has, it's kind of thickened my skin to feedback. <laughs> but going into a design profession, like a design job now, like full time, it's still hard to, it's sometimes hard to hear because you invest so much of yourself into your work and you want it to be a kind of projection of you and, you know, with things like LinkedIn and all these kind of things, people know where you work and you want to, the stuff that maybe comes out, you want that to be a reflection of you as well. I, I think so. So I think it's important, uh, you know, I think it's important to maybe sometimes you do feel, <laughs> maybe it does make you feel a bit bad, but at least you're feeling something for your work, I guess. So, yeah, and I think it is just about kind of taking a deep breath. Um, design is subjective. You're not designing for designers, like I said. So at the end of the day, it is sometimes about like kind of killing that idea that maybe would work as a, a beautiful design but if the client wants to go for you know the thing that's going to work for them sometimes you just need to let it happen and just let it go <laughs> and just come to a compromise um and yeah just take a step back i think that's the main thing and don't although i'm saying i'm saying it is a projection if you don't think of it too much like that because i think that can also kind of maybe inhibit um inhibit what you do sometimes um so yeah just try and take a step back and be like just and it's subjective not and no one's right all the time like there's no right or wrong answers either um it, it is that's probably a, that's a total cliche as well but it is it's it's so subjective and you know yeah it's but it's tough it's tough so just before we finish up um what what excites you about the future um I think what excites me about the future of well, general or design. It's or, up to you. You can interpret oh the question however you like. <laughs> um, I think, oh, I think there's more conversation. I think going back to, I, I feel like I've talked about a lot about workplaces, but I think there's more of a conversation about making workplaces like nicer to work in. Um, I think in the past, there was a lot of toxic behaviour which was just allowed to happen because that's just the way it was. But I don't think that's hap that's not happening anymore. People are speaking out about it. And th I think things are changing. Um, so that excites me about the future in a lot of ways because I think that um, that can be only a good thing. Um, so that kind of excites me about the future of the kind of workplace. And I think that design has been recognised more as a, a, a kind of business tool um, in wider business. Um, and I think it's been championed a lot more. And I, I just hope that continues to grow. Um, like, you know, businesses using design methodology and to kind of augment their processes. And I think that that can only be a good thing. But it needs to involve designers as well. It needs to involve the people that have developed that. So, yeah. 
And is there anything you've been watching, listening to, reading lately that you could recommend? So I got this amazing book. It's um, called Graphic Fest. Um, it is about... <laughs> it's from Victionary um, Publisher. It's beautiful. It's so colourful. I would say that's... Yeah, it's kind of my style, I guess. <laughs> it's very bright. But it's all about festival and fair identities. Sounds very exciting, but it is actually, it's very exciting. And it's like looking at, it's just, it's looking at how these ideas and systems, I guess, um, identity systems, because um, I don't believe that you should, you know, it's not always just one logo. Um, these identity systems come together and work. And I think that's really interesting because for like, as you know, for festivals, for having produced a, a lovely... Um, yeah, I wish I'd had that entity. book. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you need to like, look at how it works across, as I was saying, the practicalities of it. And I think these are great examples of how that can work because there's so many things you need to put on for like a fair and stuff. So I've been loving reading that um, and kind of gleaming in inspiration from that as well. So I can recommend that. <laughs> um, and if anyone wants to find you, see your work... Uh, yeah. where do they do that so um, if you just go on you can go to Instagram so it's just at Jamie Steen Design um, and I've also got a website which is just jamiesteendesign.co.uk um, it's not been updated for a while uh, <laughs> like every designer's website ever <laughs> unless you're trying to get a job <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah, yeah like um, yeah, give me a follow um, yeah reach out if you ever you know if anyone needs advice or anything great thanks very much Thank you. <laughs> so that was episode 84. Uh, yeah, thanks to Jamie for coming on and doing the podcast and um, telling his journey. I think it's it's a really interesting and insightful take on how he's got to where he has, uh, the struggles that he's had getting to that point and the fact that he just kept working on through it and muddling his way until he found where he wanted to be where he needed to be um to get that sort of fulfilling career and um get into a discipline where he was happy um yeah so that's pretty much it for this week uh next week i'm going to be joined by Catherine rattray who's a photographer um she'll talk about her her process how she got into photography um and a bit about the work uh, that she did at Dundee Design Festival and she's just been at the Swiss Art e Expo um, so she talks a bit about that as well uh, but yeah um, yeah, if you don't already it, to follow the podcast, keep up to date with everything it's at CCC Dundee on Twitter and Instagram and it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash CCC Dundee or just subscribe on your podcast platforms but yeah, until next week goodbye <laughs>